Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We ask that you speak to us from your word. We thank you, our Father, in Jesus' name. Because we shout a big amen. A huge amen. Right, let's put our hands celebrate Jesus. You want to thank the person on your left, on your right. They might have prayed for you during the service. Thank them, thank them, thank them. Hallelujah. Good, 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 good. All right. Um, if you didn't come for Chosen yesterday, uh, I assume you plan to come today. But it was, it was real good yesterday. We want to thank everyone. It was really, really good. It was really good. Uh, and so um, it's a musical, 3 p.m. today and 6 p.m., two final shows. Promises to be a fantastic time. Um, I also ask that you please bring someone. Bring someone who doesn't go to church regularly. Bring someone who's struggling to understand what God's plan and purpose for their life is. And we trust God for a wonderful time, okay? Do come early, uh, 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. today. Uh, just also a reminder that next Sunday uh, we have uh, breakfast before service, 9 o'clock uh, to 9.45. We stop at 9.45, go do our makeup and all that, come back at 10. And then service continues. I'll ask that you please bring something to share um, if you can. It's our national day as a country. It's October 1st. So the more traditional the food you can bring the better. You bring akara and, and panpap. I will share if you bring, okay, moi moi. Um, I don't know, what else is traditional? Plantain. Okay. Pounded. Well, that's something light for the morning. Huh? Okay, yeah, why not? If you bring, I'll, I'll share. I'll share. Um, and then especially in that day, we uh, conclude, uh, probably have what we call our last uh, Life Point Sexuality series for the year. We're discussing our faith and same-sex attraction. Now, that service is really important to us because the whole discussion about same-sex attraction and relationships is one that is undercurrent in our generation, but it's very powerful. Um, it's not a sensational service. And for us, we approach it with a lot of reverence. I will ask that you especially pray for me and pray for the church as we approach that Sunday because we trust God that out of his word will come grace, comfort, and wisdom, okay? Um, promises to be fantastic. So we invite everybody. Um, and I guess you know. So if you have friends who are openly gay, tell them to come to church. If you have friends who are not openly gay, who you <laughs> I was going to say who you suspect, but I don't know why you're suspecting anybody. Just invite them to church. If you, see, just tell them we have breakfast in the morning, okay? Lots of food, all right? Um, and we trust us. The church will lay out a spread, but we want you to bring stuff. Um, we trust God for the best. Okay, so how to find an awesome spouse. I expect after the powerful message I preached last week, some of you are now engaged, all right? Um, so, you noticed last week, uh, Fallaby was on stage with me, you know, and... This week, they've gone off stage. So they're like, <laughs> I was asking him questions. Are you in love? And I thought I just moved totally. like, no way. But uh, last week, quick recap. I said last week how that the married decision is not one to be afraid of. It's a recruitment for destiny. Marriage is a recruitment for destiny. One of the things we said last week. That when we choose who to marry, we in principle choose where we will end up. And we said how that it's fairly difficult for you to end up in a different place from that where the person who you are married to ends up. I said, even your eternal destiny, uh, you begin to speak to it about the choice of the person who you marry. So it's not something to be looked at lightly. 
yet not something to be afraid of. Uh, during the week, I was saying, so when you get married, essentially what you say is that I am happy to end up where this person is going. I am happy to end up where this person is going. That's what you say when you get married. So when Ogachuko got married to me, that's what she was saying. She was like, if I make no conscious decision going forward, wherever Idris ends up, so I will end up. And that's the kind of decision, and I'm too, I tell you this, anywhere Ogachuko ends up, I'm happy to end up, all right? That surely has to count for something, sweetheart. <laughs> all right? Um, the person who you love, I said this last week, and who loves you, exercises a great amount of influence over you. And so you have to be very mindful about that. The sharing of destiny. You know it's hard for, you know, so after service today, if you're going to Festac, it's hard to ask somebody who's going to Ajah to drop you off. Right? So Tolu says, I'm going to Ajah. I say, hey, can you just drop me in Festac? You know, like, like, you're like, how? Like, what, are you, what are you carrying? Yes? So how, you know? And so the married decision is like that. You kind of have to be going the same. We talked about how love brings us together, but um, agreement is what keeps us together. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And, and I think you remember saying this over and over again last week. Please marry someone. Someone. See, I say someone. One. Someone, okay, uh, who will draw you closer to God. Someone who would make you a better person and someone who would help you achieve the goals that you sense God would like you to achieve in life. It's just my advice out of scripture and out of the things that I've seen in life. For the men, I remember we said and read through, um, read through Abraham's story and how his son got a wife. We said, look, there is such a thing as sending your angels ahead of you. So Abraham said to his servants, the Lord will send his angel ahead of you. We said for the men to develop the skill and the confidence to show up at the well. Bible says, uh, because Rebecca showed up at the well in the evening where the women will go to draw water. Uh, we spoke about the fact that you, you have to find a woman who makes you wonder. Uh, Bible says the servant, after meeting Rebecca, he wondered, kept quiet that he may see. He was seeing if this is who God had led him to. We talked about the fact that you also have to um, be willing to look beyond just the box. I remember there was the three boxes on the day, the one on the other side. We said there people come in different um, forms, and you have to be willing to go beyond what looks or what packaging is on the outside, um, and look at what is actually in the heart. Okay, so those are a couple of things we said last week. This week I want to continue from there. Um, there's a scripture I want to read out of First Samuel 25. It's a very long read, but I'll try and read it. And I, I do have to make some reference to it. So let's read First Samuel 25. Uh, help me ask the person next to you. This is your first time at Life Point. Uh, this is your first time at Life Point. If they say yes, please welcome them properly. Tell them who we are, how we are nice people here. Make them feel real welcome. All right. Uh, first Samuel 25 is a story. We, we join this story. I'll tell you some background. David's men are on, you know, they're on the run, and David says, look, they've been helping out a gentleman who call, who's called Nabal. And um, one time, David sends his men, so you read First Samuel 25. Uh, let's read from verse 8. Um, so David sends a message. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you, therefore be favorable towards my men, since we've come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son, whatever you can find for them. 
Okay, so this is like a find me something message. David says, look, find us something. We've been helpful to you guys. And when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. They told him who the message was from, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servant, who is this David? Who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my sharers and give it to men coming from who knows where? Uh, and David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. They, they left nothing out. And David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. This escalated very quickly, you know. <laughs> so they did. And David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. And one of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hauled insults at them. Yet these men have been very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And, you know, at night, you know, and, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us. The whole time, we were heading our ship. Now, think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He's such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. The rest of the story, uh, very quickly, so Abigail gathers food together, gathers resources together, and goes to intercept uh, David. And we just go further down and uh, verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my Lord, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He's just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. But and as for me, my, your servant, I, didn't, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord God gives and as you leave, leaves as you leave, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift, which my servant has brought you, be given to the men who follow. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battle. It's just, you know, one rap after the rap, just really nice things to David. Um, verse 32, it's a long read, so I'm, I'm trying to... 32, David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself from my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord lives, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come to quickly meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have surely been left alive by daybreak. Um, story continues. Um, David goes back home. Nabal dies. And I don't think David would finish burying him. Uh, verse 39, when David hears that, heard that Nabal was dead, he said, well, he said, praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. I read this long scripture this morning because it provides context for something 
that I will say later in the service. Um, if you're also new here once in a while in the service, I will ask you to please say something to the person next to you. Don't be shy. They've been saying things to other people before, right? So it's important that you do help. Last week, um, so we discussed why it was important to marry somebody who's of like faith. Uh, we also talked about how this person must also be someone who makes you better. At least you can see how they're improving you. Um, I want to talk about three things. Um, social availability, the law of recognition, um, and the, no, the, 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 the importance of counsel and our blind spots. And then I will speak a couple of things to the women. I hope to be done very, very quickly, okay? All right. Um, so <laughs> social availability. So one thing I say, so the scripture we read last week, uh, the Bible says that Rebecca went to the well at the time when the women go to fetch water. And what that set off in my heart was a question, because I realized she didn't, I mean, her family is quite well off. She didn't need to go and fetch water. But not just the fact that she was at the well at the time, it was interesting to me that when a servant walks up to her and says, would you please let me drink of water, that her heart is open unto someone who essentially is a stranger. Uh, you know, last week we talked about how God, you know, the, that Abraham, you know, prayed that the Lord will send angels ahead. You know, it's in Hebrews, I think, 13 to, uh, and, you know, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, says to be hospitable to all men. It says, because so doing have some people unknowingly entertained angels. I remember once we talked about angels, and I said, look, uh, when you are hospitable, Sometimes you do not realize what angels and what angelic intervention you are allowing to happen in your space. And, and so I, it's important that I mention, I mention this. I, I think I was going to cut my hair last, get a haircut two weeks, a week ago, and um, I got there, and the, the, the shop, I could see that they were open on the inside, but they had the closed sign on. You know, they hadn't turned it around. And I wonder whether there's some of us who sometimes are open inside, but we have a closed sign on the outside. Uh, it's, it's, so what does the sign that you carry say? Will you help me ask the person, are you open or closed? Are you, are you open or closed? Are you open or closed? For someone who chose his seat deliberately this morning, is like, yes, P.I., preach this message. <laughs> preach this message. So what does the sign on your countenance say? Are you, in your heart, open for business, but with a big sign in front of you, closed? And you and I know what it means to have a closed sign. You know the way you can walk into church? And even the ushers who are meant to greet you, <laughs> They, just, they kind of look at your smile at you. And, and do, you know, sometimes we use our temperaments or our personality types as an excuse for being socially unavailable. But you know, Christians are meant to be evangelical. God says to us, go into all the world. So by our nature, we're meant to be evangelical. I don't know if you're the person or your neighbor is the person who has that. Some people, they're not, they don't have the closed look, but they look 
really they have that look in their eye that says, I'm really not all right. I'm not, I'm just, I'm here because it's Sunday. You know, it's, I'm really not all right. Don't, don't even try. All this one PI is saying, tell somebody I love it. Just mind your, just stay on your lane. <laughs> and I, you know, you've been in church before. person says, when you look at the person once, person just looks at you. One, the first look, try the other service, you look on the other side. <laughs> and if you're sitting beside somebody like that, this one, just smile. And social availability is a big deal. It's, it's something that sometimes we take lightly, but it's something that, because God sets the solitary in families. He set the solitary in families. And I find that our response to that is our ability to build connections, our ability to be in the places where connections are built. I say that it's important that we build friendships without necessarily subjecting the people to the marriage examination tests. You know, there's a way you can meet someone for the first time. You've already analyzed his past, present, and future. You've processed all the available data within your spreadsheet that you have in your mind. Total the score for him, 62, sorry, fail. And that person no longer exists to you. You know, no longer exists to you. And the challenge with that is that sometimes people are more to us than just marriage decisions. When you talk about friendship, friendship is about destiny. Friendship is about destiny. I believe that everyone should have those four friends who are ready to remove the roof of another man's building just to bring you to the place of destiny. And so sometimes when we talk about being socially available, it's not just whether they, so you meet the man of your dreams. or, or, or No, 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 no. It's that ever so often God will encode destiny in our friendships. The Jonathan who would say to you, look, I know that I'm the heir to the throne, but I sense destiny in your life so much that I'm willing to protect your life. Would you look at the person next to you and tell them, would you be my friend? Would you, would you be my friend? I know I'm helping someone's destiny, but would you, would you be my friend? Would you be my friend? Would you be my friend? And, and, I, and, I say this because, and I say this because what happens when you live in a fast-paced city as a young person is that sometimes you develop what is essentially the wrong attitude. And I'm not, I'm not the friendliest of people, right? But I know how you can be in a busy city and just tune off totally. <laughs> I remember saying two weeks ago that, why, why do we find it difficult just to smile at people? Why, why, why is it part of our personal, just the whole Lagos thing to just be walking around as if you're fighting? Why? And you're carrying Jesus on your inside. Why? Some people think it cheapens them when they are kind of or nice, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I've also found that smiling cannot get you pregnant. So it's not like you, know, you just smile at the guy, you just become, no, I've, I've, I've checked it out. <laughs> Would you please smile at the person next to you? So I say, ah, oh, God of mercy, why did I come to church today? This is a bit too much. But social availability is a big deal. The Bible says that she went to the well at the time, evening time, when the women go to fetch water. It was a social thing to do. There are too many Christians who, in the name of protecting our faith, have built fences around their lives. Not just fences, but barbed wire. Then 
you know, and then put the, those bottle on the top, then passwords, then everything. I, I, and I don't judge. I just struggle with private accounts on social media. I just can't understand the whole idea. Like, <laughs> I can't. No, I'm, I'm not coming where you are. Just relax. I'm just saying that. I'm like, sweetheart, so we're trying to get married. What's this? You know? Okay. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming where you are. I'm coming where you are. <laughs> I, I just can't understand it. I mean, when you become a celebrity, things are happening. Yes, but some of you I know, I'm like, hey. <laughs> People in his account is private. <laughs> Would you open? So even if it's all you do is to open a small space in the fence, because some people are crazy in the world, I know. <laughs> some people are crazy in the world, but not everybody's crazy. So social availability is a huge thing. So that all this prayer, we're, and we will pray a prayer tonight, or this, uh, this morning. Um, we'll, pray, we'll pray that God will help, will do certain things in the next week that will bring us to the place um, of connection. If I, one of the prayers I thought about praying tonight, this morning, was that, when I say tonight, people think oh, we're going to be here tonight, to, to this the morning, is even praying for people who are in relationships already, but it's not the will of God for them. So you don't leave now. Don't, don't, you know, someone is like, ah, no, you're telling your girlfriend. Let's leave now. Let's leave now. Before they pray, just relax. Relax. But we'll pray today. But I want it to be that while we do all this prayer, that once the angel of the Lord is trying to access your life, that you've created that opening. Will you please tell the person next to you, please put the open sign on. Please put the open. Even if it's Monday to Friday, but would you please put the open sign on. She went to the well at the evening time. They, and then, then the servant says, would you please give me water to drink? <laughs> you know, when we read it last week, you know, I, even I, I was like, ah. you just looked around the whole city. And you just thought that I'm the one who will give you water to drink. But there's, there's, I need to move on and I'll come back there. There's something called the law of recognition. Something called the law of recognition. Everyone carries a picture within, and different pictures within. And what happens is that uh, they tell you how sometimes you cannot recognize certain things because you are not looking for them. Certain times you cannot recognize certain things because you're not looking. The, most, the easiest example to use is when you get your first car. Um, so you, you have, or you buy a new car. So what happens is you want to buy a car. You want to buy a, uh, what's a good car to buy? Um, a Mini Cooper. Okay. <laughs> In Lagos, yes, you want to buy a Mini Cooper. Okay. Um, why you want to do, I don't know, but you want to buy a Mini Cooper. <laughs> have you not seen the rain in Lagos? <laughs> they won't see your car. They just take the picture. They just take water everywhere. And if you want to buy a Mini Cooper, ill advises that it is here. And um, the day you buy it, Right, and start to drive. You're feeling really cool. You're playing with the shirt, yeah, no, whatever. Catch the fancy in the middle of the day. You're playing the song. Yes, oh, God has blessed me. But as you drive down the third mainland bridge, you just suddenly, annoyingly begin to realize, ah, this guy is plenty in Lagos. <laughs> and I'm telling you what has happened to me. Because as you, and not only that the car is plenty, the car is plenty in your color. So, <laughs> and you, would ne- you never saw it. But as you step out of your black prado, you're just like, ha ah, ah, 
this is the official car of Lagos. What's all this? Every, and what simply happened is that the law of recognition kicked in. So once something becomes apparent to you, you saw it a bit clearer. Last week, one of the things that God put in my heart to share with you, and I did, was how that God will often put within very close proximity our blessings and the openings to destiny. When you look through scripture, he would say to them, I mean, everybody walked to where God had promised them. Everybody in scripture. There were no cars. Most of us people rode horses. But they walked to where God had promised them. So God really would put things very far away from you. And some of you, you've seen, some of you guys have seen your wife before. Some of you ladies have seen your husband before. I heard that, I just heard someone say, amen, amen. I'm serious. I, I read this interesting story a couple of days ago about a lady. She says uh, they went to her grandfather's house. Her husband is looking through pictures, and he sees a picture of herself and her, hus- herself and her grandfather at a, I think it was at Disney or something. And he says to her, but why is my grandfather in this picture? And apparently, they looked behind, and had his own grandfather was also in the picture. It was about the same time, I think, he had also, a father or grandfather had taken him as a child. So they were in close, of course they knew nothing. I mean, some of you from when you were five, you already knew where you were going to marry. That's fine. Uh, you've been stalking her since. Save Johnny. But that's not... <laughs> my point is that you typically are already close enough. <laughs> Can you see somebody's mind walking? Ha! <laughs> Chinedu. <laughs> John. <laughs> But, but, you know, the choice of who you, who you marry is one of the greatest expressions of your values. So if we want to look at what, when someone says, what a man or a woman respects in life, look at the person they've married. Oh God, you made a good choice, okay? <laughs> and and um, what we say is that, look, we already carry... A mental picture. If I let me let me even do this. If I said to you that there was a particular type of flower, what, what are the types of flowers in Lagos? Sorry? Hibiscus. <laughs> okay. I'm you know I'm very trying to be very strict today. No shade now. I'm just gonna work, but people are tempting me with all this hibiscus. But let's say hibiscus. If I suddenly said to you, look, the hibiscus flower, each hibiscus flower is what a millionaire. I don't know if you realize this, and even now you know it's just an example, but I suspect all through this week, every time you see a flower, first you will look whether it's a hibiscus, and you would look and say, ah, P.I. said it might be what a millionaire. And so there's something about the picture that you're carrying on the inside. And sometimes people show the picture. So when you hear people say things like, I can never, never marry a pastor, there's a picture on the inside. I mean, I can never marry a short man. Oh. Lie, lie. I can never marry a short man. I can't. I can't do that. Or let me even come where you are. I can never marry an evil man. Never. Lie, lie. Mm-mm. No, I can't. <laughs> but what it is is that you're showing, and I know I'm speaking about you. Just, just smiling and looking forward. Okay? Oh, I can never marry this type of woman. I can never marry a, 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 a slim woman. No, 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 no. I can't. I can't. But what it is is that there's a picture on the inside, and that picture influences who you are drawn to and the things and the people you look at. And 
Because marriage is not just a romantic adventure, it's a recruitment, quote-unquote, for destiny, you must be conscious of the model that you're carrying on the inside, the picture you're carrying on the inside. And even if you don't want to do it with someone, you need to every now and then ask yourself, where did I get this model from? Uh, I don't know if you have ever had, because what happens is that some of us ignore destiny because it doesn't look like it yet. I don't know if you ever had this friend who, you have this friend now, but you remember that when you first met this person, you, you didn't like them at all. You couldn't imagine why somebody would just be talking like this. In fact, you couldn't understand the people who were her friends, why they were her friends. You're like, ha, because this girl, she can't even see that woman everywhere, just going up and down, up and down, up and down. But now, both of you have become. And so what happens is that sometimes it's seasons that help to shape that sometimes it's revelation, sometimes it's wisdom, sometimes it's experience. I said last week how that some of us carry models that are representative of our parents. It's very unnerving how many times women struggle to marry a man who looks so much or behaves so much like their father, whether or not they like to approve their father. And men typically are looking for a replacement for their mother. And I know that that sounds very... Uh, boxy, but the truth is that if you look carefully, and so by the help of the Holy Spirit, I keep encouraging people, would you refine your tasting? Would you let the Holy Spirit help to build a picture for you? Would you, because sometimes, uh, friends, destiny is like an acquired taste. You know what an acquired taste is? It's something which ordinarily you won't like, or somebody should not like, except they've had a significant exposure to it. They've allowed it. I mean, people who drink coffee, for example, you know, those of us who don't drink coffee, we pity you. Go, we like, why we just take something that is bitter? If you see when I drink coffee, I just add like loads of sugar. So essentially, I'm having sugar with coffee. But those of us who don't drink coffee, we look at you like, why would you drink this bitter thing? But you drink it, and like, oh my God, this coffee is good. We shake our head at you. But what it is is that you've had significant exposure to it. I mean, there are other things. I mean, you know, cola nuts, for example. I know you guys are posh, liquid people. You don't take cola nuts. It's okay. But they used to take cola nuts where I came from. What else is, you know, uh, what else? Sorry? Coca-Cola is sweet. It's Coca-Cola is very, bitter cola. So I thought I had Coca-Cola. But, sorry, garlic. Okay, also oil, salad. Yes, they pour, if you pour lots of cream on the salad, it suddenly becomes. But there are things which, um, so for example, have you seen people eating cheese? And it's like, ha, hey, how are you both what's, what's all this cheese? You know, and this is very nice cheese. And this is a whole big, and you're like, no, you can't, this is wrong. This is unrighteous. You shouldn't do this. <laughs> but what it is, no, but what it is, is sustained exposure. And, um, my challenge here to someone today is, look, would you allow God build relationships around you? So while you are in proximity to your blessing already, a lot of us do not recognize it because we've refused for any sort of sustained exposure. And as we pray today, we pray that God will open our eyes. Look, by the way, the things you will see once you begin to be friends with someone, date someone, or engage to someone, are a prophecy of your marriage. So if you're engaged to someone now, and he or she 
already slaps you intermittently. It's a prophecy. They will most likely slap you intermittently when you are married. And this is important because sometimes I meet people who disregard the reality of what's happening now and say, ah, no, because they're just looking forward to the wedding day. So what has happened is that they have, for the joy that was set before them, which is that whole dancing like the band, and, you know, just people just, ah, perfect pictures, perfect makeup. They say, I will endure this pain. It's okay. But I assure you that what it is, you are ignoring a prophecy. I mean, I was telling someone who's fairly close to me, I said, look, be very careful about this whole sunk cost thing. So I've been with him for 10 years. We've known each other since kindergarten. You make decisions very carefully, okay? Uh, the base case where you're going out with someone or we're going to get married to someone is that they will behave exactly like they're behaving now all through. Although typically I will discount it, and this is what I mean. When people are going out with you, they behave very nicely. Very nicely. They will open the door, close the door after you. They will compliment you or call you in the morning. So I said, look, even discount their current behavior by 20%. That's the base case. The best case is that, you know, they will, both of you would continue to improve and become better people. And so you need to let the current realities also inform your choices. So if you're unhappy in a relationship now with someone, you most likely will be unhappy in marriage. You most likely will be unhappy in marriage. I, I really need to rush. I'm just going to say the next couple of things and try and bring this together and we'll land on you know, the things I believe God wants us to say today. Uh, last week when we read from the scripture, Bible says a consultation happened in the home. A consultation happened in the home. So I also say, look, uh, while this whole choice of an awesome spouse should be one you make alone, you should make it within the context of counsel. Sound counsel. Please. Uh, and you know, it's always because I, 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 was, uh, I was pastor in charge of family life for about five years at Elevation Church. And Every now and then, people will come to me and say, my father, the, the girl, we want to get married, but one parent is not in agreement. The natural thing to do is, ah, no, 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 no. You're, you're, well, adults, you know, in Lagos, what do our parents know? Our parents don't even have Instagram handle. What do they know about life? You know, go ahead and marry. But we will rarely do that. In fact, we will typically say to them, well, why? In fact, we will say to them at certain points, if necessary, we're happy to, for the church to meet with your parents and have a discussion. Because sometimes, 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 these people who have seen you since before you could talk, before you could count, before you could dress so well, sometimes know you. And there's a concept called blind spots. When you drive your car, there's parts of the road and your surroundings that you cannot see. And I'm not talking about counsel that comes from jealous friends. You know, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about counsel that comes from people who want you to remain in the state that they are in. No, 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 no. I'm talking about people who you know have, I mean, and, and of course, what happens is uh, sometimes parents can be difficult. 
but the ability to rely on the counsel of people who you trust and who you respect is very important. Um, by the way, ladies, I, I say this carefully. Um, I've only said this for years, that it's a bit challenging for you to marry a man who is not submitted to authority in any form, in any shape. It's a bit, bit, bit ill-advised to do that. And the reason is very simple. That a man, especially a man who is not submitted to authority currently, even in his walk with God, will have challenges. When One of the greatest expressions of faith in Scripture, which Jesus acknowledges, is a centurion who says, I understand how authority works. Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Would you just send the word? My servant will be healed. I have a centurion. I said to the servants, go, they go. So I understand you are king of kings. You would say to this. And Jesus says, oh, wow, what a great expression of faith. And so when I find people who have, tell you that I'm my own man, and that is important. You must be your own man. But the way I normally summarize it is, is there one person that this chap who you love that can call this guy and say, Chinedu, are you crazy? They said, so, 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 repent. And he would listen immediately. If you can't find, whether it's a pastor, uncle, older friend, father, if you can't find, um, you have to pray a little more. Just a little. And, oh, by the way, for the ladies also, it's important. As I am now, okay, I'm almost 40. That's not a good thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost 40. Been married for 13 years. Okay. Look, eh, as I am now, I have, my son is in, what, just two, right? When he gets to university, I'm going to buy leather jackets, bottle bike. I just try and reclaim my youth. But as I am now, there are people who will call me, and my pastor can call me and say, Idris, there's something wrong with your head. And I'll say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you will come to the office now. Your wife called me. I said, yes, sir. Uh, I can be grumbling. He said, no, no, no grumbling. Yes, sir. I'm a man under authority. I have uncles. I have older ones who can call me. In fact, who can slap me and I will not be angry. And I'm not joking. I'm very serious. I won't be angry. I beg of you, church. He might be fine. He might, be, he might be fine, tall, dark, handsome, Range Rover, Gucci belt, uh, hair on the chest. Uh, whatever else catches your fancy, I don't know. I, no, 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 I don't know. I don't, whatever, I don't know what catches your fancy nowadays. He might be the guy of your dreams. But if there's no one person who can say, Kunle, and he will answer. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is important. This is important. The importance of counsel, the importance of counsel and counselors. If all your, so somebody when I meet someone, uh, so a lady introduces me. So even in church here, oh, so, uh, my name is Shale, Shale, I says, oh, hi, P.I., come and meet us. P.I., P.I., I want to introduce you to, because people change their voice when they want to make all this. P.I., I just want to introduce you to someone special. I say, oh, wow, you, have you, you want a convert to the Lord? They say, no, this is just, it's just a guy. Okay, so you're not bring the guy, you know. May I now use my pastor? Hello, how are you, brother? <laughs> you know, sizing the guy up. You also, you know, you don't just, be, I can't just be over effusive. Like, ah, how are you? How are you? you know, I have to put some, how are you, brother? When I'm doing that introduction, typically, if her friends are around or later, I will say to her, have your friends met him? 
I mean, if you've introduced somebody, I tell, that's, have your friends met him? What do they think? Because I assume that you have good friends who sometimes can see what you cannot see. 